Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hey there, it's Hugh Ballou. We're back. Hey, people on Facebook. This is a bonus session of the Nonprofit Exchange. We're recording a series of interviews about partnerships and collaborations. And um, recording some thought leaders in the place where Center Vision is located in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's in central western Virginia, half, halfway up from the Commonwealth on the side, almost in West Virginia. Almost. Almost. And my guest today is, uh, is a new friend. I've only been here a year, and we met shortly after right. After people kept saying, you need to meet Bill Varner. And um, so give us a little background, Bill, on who you are. You came from corporate America I did. to run a nonprofit. I did. So the last 30 years I've spent um, in health services and hospital administration. The last 17 of those were with Centra as their vice president for strategic planning, marketing, business development, communications, and PR. Um, and so all of that has been in um, new business development, um, sort of evaluating communities and determining what their needs are, and then putting plans and processes in place to meet those needs. One of the things that's interesting about a health system environment is while there's often one single plan for the organization, there are numerous subcomponents of an organization too. So you might have a focus on cardiovascular services focus on women's and children's services and so there can be strategic plans at those levels as well but they've all got to work together to move towards one single ambition so i've had responsibility for that and um, again did that for the last 17 years at centra um, headquartered in lynchburg and covered all of the, ge- the geographies that um, that organization covers and then about a year and a half ago uh, the opportunity presented itself to run United Way. I think they were looking for a different skill mix for their incoming executive director, no longer just um, somebody who was comfortable raising funds, but somebody that could say, this is an organization that needs to change to adapt to the future, even adapt to the current state. Um, What type of skills and experience do we want in the role? And bottom line, they were really looking for somebody with more of a strategic planning, um, uh, vision setting, um, tracking outcomes uh, type of person. And that not only fit very well in my wheelhouse, I was getting very interested in doing something that actually put me a little bit closer to the people that benefited from the work that we do. Centra is a great organization, um, but obviously I'm not a physician or a nurse or mm-hmm. a, um, any sort of clinician. Um, and so more and more in my life, I found that I really wanted to be closer to those who were actually having an impact in the community and to actually see who we who we serve and united way really really um was sort of an ideal fit for me in and in in my world of um, empowering organizations and leaders it the centrality of it is starting with your your vision and your mission and your strategy it, and you know being a musical conductor we have to have the chart in front of us right, right. what to right. do and so, so it's a really important foundation for any organization. So coming from corporate America into 
this work, this philanthropic work, uh, for purpose organizations, we call them, we like to call them, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. nonprofit's such a crazy word. Right, right, that's true. <laughs> um, and, and, and so when you and I first met, we, uh, give me an idea, let's talk about how many agencies or how many other organizations uh, you, you support in the work. We support 26 agencies, 38 programs in those agencies. We actually fund the programs. Um, and so several of our agencies have more than one one program. So 26 organizations, 38 programs. And what makes your work different than, say, a community foundation? Um, well, community foundation and, and we overlap in some respects. Uh, much of what the Greater Lynchburg Community Foundation does uh, focuses on social needs and community needs. They've also got a somewhat broader focus in that they may um, have uh, benefactors that have funded foundations within their structure that are for a very dedicated purpose outside of um, necessarily social services. Um, we're strictly focused on social services, but we, we recognize it because we share a shared purpose in the community. We talk, um, and that's a, a monthly get-together that we have. We've included the Central Foundation. Uh, there may be others that we want to include in that. And we said, look, we're all to some degree, we're doing a lot of the same things. Let's at least make sure we're coordinated. If we're asking agencies um, and other not-for-profits to collaborate and coordinate, we need to hold ourselves to that same standard as well. So let's get together and talk. We're not sure exactly what's going to come up. Come up. We don't have a, a hard deadline for when we're going to have um, certain deliverables. But we're starting to see that there are going to be opportunities for us to communicate and make sure that we're all rowing in the same direction around certain needs in the community. That's why, and I may be getting off the question a little bit, mm -hmm. but that's why we recognized early on we needed a single direction. And I started to talk about this idea of why don't we do a single community needs assessment? Um, in the past, each not-for-profit we support at various times in their planning cycle would do a needs assessment. Um, and they each didn't necessarily coordinate with one another. I thought if we could get one needs assessment done for the community, not only would we save the, the time and effort of having everybody doing it separately, but we could all participate in that one process. We could all get input into it. And we could all see the same results. And we would then ideally all be rowing in the same direction. We would say, all right, here are the three or four biggest issues in the community. Let's make sure we exert most of our time and resources and, uh, and effort on those areas. Um, and we've got the data and the feedback to support that those are priority areas. So we're doing much more than just if somebody comes and asks for a grant, we fund it. We're really looking strategically at, is this addressing a community need? Um, so uh, Bill uh, at the Community Foundation and Beth Doyle and I, we're, we're trying to stay very coordinated in that whole effort. So the, at the heart of collaborations and partnerships, that, that there's um, defining the need and then defining the vision right. and your philosophy of how you're going to proceed. Uh, and so how, how has the work of uh, part of the conversation has been with the city, with the Arts Center, and with a, a group called Unity in the Community who were purposely pulling people together and having um, projects that they can work on together, like yeah. the, the theater is opening up mm -hmm. and there's a whole program centered around the arts. The community and the community is centered around the, the religious programs and the service programs, and you sit around that table. Um, so thinking about partnerships and or collaborations, they're very 
slightly different. Mm -hmm. um, you can collaborate without being being sure. in, the, in the partnership. Yeah. So, how ha has your work specifically and your work through United Way created a, been a catalyst or been a facilitator of those things? That um, let me let me answer that by going one step back and just I think it's important to understand a place like Lynchburg in Central Virginia. Um, one of the things that I've noticed here, and I've been here 17 years. Um, and I've had, I've been in positions myself where we needed help uh, for health issues or various other things going on in your life. And this is a community that steps up. Um, this community does not sit around. Uh, you just gave an example of your, you put out a request for people to participate in the choir and suddenly you've got 100 people that are there. You don't know if they're all singers, um, but there's a lot of interest. This is a community that when it sees a need does not hesitate to rally a group together and try to address that need. Now, there's good and bad with that. Um, the good is you've got the people who are there that are ready to, to go. Um, uh, sort of symbolically speaking, you don't know if they can all sing. Um, and so what you also get is multiple efforts that may be duplicated with an existing effort uh, or in somehow running counter to an existing effort, but at the very least, you've got multiple organizations that have not yet communicated with one another, may not even know the other exists. And so now you've got two different organizational structures. You may have two actual non-for-profits, not-for-profits um, that have, they're, they're registered. They've all got to submit a non-money. They each have to create a board. They each have to have, to have an executive director. They each go into their own direction and suddenly you've got fragmentation. Mm -hmm. So I will say, a lot of what makes this a unique and wonderful place to live, that good heart that's willing to step up and engage. Mm -hmm. The unintended consequence of that is there's often too many people that have not yet coordinated. And so we are replete with organizations that are pretty fragmented and, and could benefit from coordinating. And so we've identified that as an issue in our strategic plan. And it's said we feel like we have a role in helping be a catalyst to bring those organizations together. Um, one, we, because we work with multiple organizations, we may be the first place that can see, oh, wait a second, you're doing the same thing this mm -hmm. organization is doing. Mm -hmm. Why don't we get you together and talk? And our funding could go a lot further if we could support a consolidated and coordinated effort than it would if we're trying to support two different organizations. By the way, those two organizations, and in some cases it's six, seven, eight organizations that are overlapped, are each out in the community asking for funding. and my experience with donors is by about the time the third person comes and asks for money for the same need, they suddenly realize this isn't coordinated. I'm not going to give my money mm -hmm. to this. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's a, there's a benefit that can come to those who do coordinate um, in that the ability to quote, sell themselves to a donor and to sell their uh, potential impact to a donor is greatly heightened. So we, we're in a unique spot to see, maybe for the first time for some of those organizations, where there are points of fragmentation. And it's not always just duplication and fragmentation. There are cases where the work of one organization could feed another organization. Um, and two places should be working together because they're taking care of people at different points in their life, make sure that they're doing a handoff from one organization to the next. So we feel like because we're in, a, in that unique spot that sees a lot of this, and we're in the position to be able to fund um, and we track outcomes, um, that that's an important role for us is not just as a fundraiser 
to give money to organizations, but to help those organizations operate more efficiently between one another. And we're also doing some things to try to help them operate more efficiently within each organization. That's, that's promising. So, um, and we're in the very early stages of that. I, I don't want to oversell accomplishments on that. Um, we are we're starting to recognize where those, those overlaps are. We're trying to bring groups together and seeing some of the, the challenges of that. It's tough for groups. At the end of the day, if you're going to coordinate and collaborate, um, what you're also going to do is compromise. Um, and so it means that if I'm going to coordinate with another organization, I've got to go in it with the spirit of compromise. And I've got to go in it saying there's a purpose that we're coming together for that um, supersedes my personal self-interest in this. Mm -hmm. And it may, in fact, require me to give something away um, for the greater good of the community. And I think as long as we're all willing to do that and take self-interest and self-preservation out of the equation, I think we'll do good things. As long as self-interest, self-preservation, egos, um, uh, turfism stay in the discussion, it's going to be hard to move the needle. But I think the, the purpose of focusing on the community is a much more noble cause than the purpose of focusing on an organization and organizational growth. Um, so we just need to all be prepared and recognize we're going we're gonna to have to compromise. There were, um, I remember reading a story about one of the larger foundations in California, Southern California, LA area, telling their organizations they funded, they pulled them all together, said, we're not going to fund you anymore unless you turn, work on collaborative efforts. So we're leaving the room. You come back to us with a collaboration and then we'll revisit the funding conversation. So there was a funder stepping up and setting a boundary. Yeah. We're not duplicating funding anymore. And part of what came to my mind as you were describing that situation was that we create, it's, it's an unintended consequences of leadership. We create this competitive situation because yeah. there's, there's too many, Oh, we have a need. We're going to go and service that need when we didn't adequately do our research about That's what exactly was available. Right. That's exactly right. What's in business. We look at our competition. And where do we, what's our unique value proposition and is it being served? Right. And there's a lot of people who come to me who want to start a nonprofit and I say, well, why don't you work under another one as a project and do it for a year yeah. and see if there's really a need for this. Yeah. Then you don't have to go th throw all that, that paperwork. You're doing exactly, that's music to my ears. That's exactly what we're asking organizations now to do. Before you start a not-for-profit, pump the brakes and let's just, take a look and see, is there somebody else out there, not necessarily, not necessarily doing the same thing, but um, addressing the same need. Mm -hmm. um, and if there is, talk to them first. Um, it, you know, it's much more exciting to get your own organization started and have to create your own logo and create a website. And that's the stuff that's sort of sexy and exciting. And people get really caught up into that. Um, you need to let that go and say, if my real purpose is to serve the community, not just to create an organization, my real purpose is to serve the community. Mm -hmm. Let me find out if there's, if there's a moving train that I can hop onto now, somebody else that's already doing this. In fact, we've had an example of that this last year. An organization came to us, wanted to start a new not-for-profit. We said, mm, we think you're probably more appropriate aligned with an existing organization. Long story short, they're now a program under that organization. And I think at least for now, that makes the most sense for them. 
and they don't now have to go find a whole separate board. They've not created a lot of costly infrastructure. Um, they're just going to share the overheads of the, the, the other organization, and if anything, help spread that organization's overhead out. So it's kind of a win-win. I will say we have stopped short of we do, we do recognize that as a funder, we've got some leverage to say, we're going to withhold some funding until you collaborate. We've stopped short of saying we're not going to fund you um, because in our view, that's punishing the wrong person. Mm. We're punishing the org we're not punishing the organization. We're punishing the people who benefit from that organization. Mm. So I'm not going to tell, for example, if there are two backpack programs in the community that provide food to kids on Friday, and they're not collaborating. I'm not going to say we're going to cut your funding until you collaborate because I'm not hurting those organizations. I'm taking food out of the mouths of the kids on Friday. Um, and so while it feels like an important knob to turn, to me, it's being a little reckless with money as a motivator. And it's, it's, the, it's not targeted enough to actually uh, motivate the right people. It just hurts the community. So, but we have said our funding is going to put strong preference on those organizations that collaborate. And that's, that's true of a lot of private foundations that, that do fund nonprofit projects. Yeah. They, they look favorably at collaborations yeah. and partnerships. So going into, um, so ways that, I wanna talk about two things, going into these joint venture kind of things, collaborations, partnerships, joint ventures. What are the deficits? People don't think about writing agreements or, or certain things, I wanna talk about that. And then what are the resources that you and your organization bring to foster uh, those conversations? Well, it's interesting. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit out of both sides of my mouth. One, I'm going to say, I think those organizations that come together to collaborate should not set too high an expectation early on. I think it's okay to say, let's just get in the room and talk a little bit mm -hmm. and just kind of see where things go. Um, if we put a lofty expectation in there, meeting one, we may scare each other off, um, and we may not even really know what it is we're trying to do yet. So don't, don't set super high expectations right out of the gates, and don't be too rigid um, with saying we have to have an outcome by December. However, at some point, you've got to switch the conversation from just kind of the stream of consciousness rambling, which some of these can be, and that can ultimately be beneficial, but at some point, you've got to start to get people on a map and say, all right, so we've talked now for a few meetings. What are the things that we think we share? It's sort of like the, dating, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't ask my wife to marry me on the first date. Right. Uh, you did a little bit. Did some relationship. might have been a little presumptuous. Um, <laughs> a little. Uh, it was very much like that. And so once you know a little bit more about each other, you can say, you know, is there something more here? Is there is there a common purpose that we share? Um, is there a common goal that we should work on? And if so, let's articulate that as clearly as possible. And maybe that's just one goal. And we make part of our work focus on that one goal. But keep having this open conversation um, about other areas that you might benefit from or other people that you want to bring to the table. Um, but I think ultimately if work is to get done and accomplishments are to be made and we're to have any positive, sustainable impact on the community, you've got to get a plan together. You've got to have the basic rudiments that I think a lot of people think are kind of MBA 101 and so they don't really do them. They think they can hold this in their head. You got to have a vision statement and it's got to be meaningful and clear and concise and not have vague language in it, uh, not be just sort of marketing fluff. 
You really have to have a meaningful vision statement. And then you've got to start talking about a strategy that will get you there. And that strategy has to get down to goals, objectives, tactics, 90-day plans, 30-day plans, who's accountable for it, when is it going to be done, mm -hmm. and how do we measure whether or not it was done. Um, so if you can have that kind of line of sight between a, a lofty vision and what do you need to do Monday morning, that's a recipe for, for doing good things. Um, and so I do think those early collaborative efforts need to be kind of loose on the front end, but gradually get more focused as topics bubble out um, of those areas. I'm in, I'm in several of those meetings right now and in a couple of them where it's still at the very early stages where we're just kind of talking and you leave the room, the, the, the type A in you leaves the room and says, gosh, we did a lot of talking, but I don't know what we accomplished. Um, the more um, patient side of you should say, we got a lot of talking done. We've not talked before. That's good. That's progress. Um, no real hard outcome just yet, but we're going to get there. And maybe next meeting or the meeting after that, we're going to plant a stake in the ground and say, you know what? It sounds like we all do this. Um, we all focus on food, clothing, and shelter. Let's, let's pin that up on the wall and say, what could we do differently together to do this? Um, and, I, and that can be scary to organizations because again, it does ultimately mean you're gonna, you're gonna, somebody in the room, probably everybody in the room is gonna have to compromise a little bit, which uh, I think you just need to know that going in. If you're going in saying, I'm not gonna do anything that takes something away from me or that uh, causes me to lose influence or control over a certain area of my life, I'm not gonna do it. If you go in there with that attitude, you might as well not be in the room. You really gotta go in saying, this is not about me, this is about the community. Mm -hmm. And um, if there are points along the road here where I may be do, doing something that um, affects something that we're measuring at United Way, maybe I need to let it go. Um, if it's better for the community, if what I lose is more than made up for by what the community gains, um, I should let it go. I, I'll give you a good example. We, we run a backpack program right now. Um, and we fund several backpack programs. We run um, a couple of different schools out of the United Way. And we get revenue for that. And that revenue is included in our total pledges that we report at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, all those backpack programs need to coordinate and consolidate a little bit better. And that probably will mean that our backpack program could move to a more centralized program somewhere that might be able to do it more efficiently and effectively than us. If I move that backpack program out, um, that's probably the right thing to do to get it into a, a more efficient program. But I've also just taken X thousands of dollars worth of revenue that had been associated with that program out of my organization. Mm -hmm. So somebody looking at our numbers may say, well, you just went from $100 down to $75. You're, you're losing ground. Not really. Um, I know where that program went. I know it's doing better where it is now and it made more sense for it to be operated there. If I'm collecting $25 less than I used to collect, that's okay. Um, that's not a failure. In fact, that's evidence that we collaborated on something. If my only interest is in growing our revenue, I'd never do that. And that's why you've got to let that interest go. Um, there's, there's room enough for all of us. Um, at some point, maybe your organizations do need to consolidate and think about shared, shared purposes. Uh, but right now we're in the earlier coordination and, and, um, and cooperation stage. So one of the things I'm clearly hearing is that you're a catalyst for people to think differently. 
we're, we are trying to be and to facilitate conversations like that mm -hmm. and, and help them see, look, we're doing this too. We're, we're not, we're not some expert that's coming in and saying, we want you to do this because it's going to be hard on you and easy for us. We're holding ourselves to that same standard. Um, and so we can be the voice of experience and say, here's what we've had to sort of learn about ourselves and about our behavior um, in order to do this effectively. And so we, we want to share our experience with you and see if you can maybe see that there's, there's a different way to think about things that might be more advantageous for the community. So you're the convener and the champion of, of this fostering new thinking, but you're also bringing some skills some history, some tools, mm -hmm. and some leadership to this because you, you're bringing business expertise right. into tax-exempt business models, right. which a lot of nonprofits don't think of themselves that way. That's right. We have to generate revenue. That's right. Otherwise, we'll go under. Right. And um, so, so the um, unintended consequences are people want to go too fast. Mm -hmm. So you're encouraging people to take a breath. Let's let's build a certainly before out. starting a new organization out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Or even two organizations we spoke of one before we went live, which we won't talk about here. We have two coming together and haven't and had some history, had not talked about the philosophies and the processes right. and the values right. moving forward. And they got to get to work. So there's a there's a, um, a self-imposed urgency sometimes. People are stopping. We got to get to work. Yeah. Now, are we are we in the long haul compromising our work? By going too fast. Absolutely. And there's something we can do now. And um, so part of what United Way brings to the table in the community. Now you're in uh, not only working in Lynchburg, Virginia, but you're working in Central Virginia. Amherst, Appomattox, Bedford, Campbell. Still in Lynchburg, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so so that's pretty much the footprint of the greater that is. area. Yep. <laughs> With uh, uh, the impact having having more than just funding the programs. So you're a funding agency, however, you're fostering this creative thinking about how do we work together and how do we not go to the next level, but go to the top, right? step at a time. Right. Yeah. So we're doing that not only around collaborative efforts, um, but also we're trying to establish a program that we're casually referring to now as beyond funding. Um, many people know us as an organization that does work to improve the community and we do it through fundraising that supports not-for-profits. Um, in the course of visiting all these not-for-profits over the last year and getting very familiar with what they do and how they operate, it's become very clear to me, and I'm sure as you've seen these organizations you've seen, they don't all have a marketing department and a finance department and a social media department and an HR department. In many cases, they've got an executive director who might be a volunteer, is certainly, uh, I dare say most are overworked and underpaid, um, but they're in it because their heart is in it, and then they really want to they want to do the right thing. Um, and our money that we give them each year is important, but there are ample needs that they've got beyond that. So we surveyed our membership um, uh, at the end of last year, and we just said, uh, other than the money, what else could we be helping you with? And we listed about 20 things that we thought they might answer to give them some prompts, and, um, and we left it open-ended, too. And we heard a lot of things. Um, most said we need help with grant writing. We need help with marketing. We need help with social media. Many said we need help with board development and board selection. Or I need somebody to help coach me through some things. Or I need to understand about performance reviews. Um, or I need some help with my building. Well, we can 
our organization can help with some of those things directly. We've got somebody who writes grants. My background is strategic planning and, and uh, business development communications. Um, but aside from our having to fulfill every one of those needs, what we want to do is serve as almost a broker between the organizations that have those needs. We'll find people in the community um, that can help you address those needs. So right now, one of our agencies, we just had a meeting with them last week, they need a little help on their finances. We've connected them up with somebody from a local employer who says, you know, I think I can go in there and really help them out. And so we're, we're in the middle. We just brokered the relationship and we're going to stay in touch with it and see, does this help this organization improve its financial situation? Um, there's several that want some grant writing help. We can probably provide that directly for them. So we're really trying to break the mold of us as just a, an annual check writer and say, look, y'all need a lot of help um, in various areas. Don't be shy about asking for help. Wherever you need it, tell us, and we're going to work to get it too. That's great. That's a great model. Um, people that are listening and reading the article and listening to the podcast um, are looking, at, looking for ideas. How do we up our game? And they're anywhere at any point in history. So this this will live on in, in its form as a podcast. And um, so as we do a wrap here, um, parts of this article are some of the other entities in the city and the, the arts community and the, the church community. How do you interface with any of those in your work or do you? Well, in, in some cases, we're taking a sort of sit back and wait and see posture. In many cases, um, we're directly at the table. Um, some of these, these efforts have just gotten started. Um, again, I, uh, we have United Way, Central Foundation, um, Greater Lynchburg Community Foundation, and probably are going to include Bedford Foundation in that pretty quickly. And that's one group. Uh, we've got another group that uh, Matt Marshall from BWXT has helped pull together. That's us, Salvation Army, uh, Goodwill, Interfaith Outreach, um, and a couple of other organizations there. We're in those very early stages of just talking. Um, Poverty to Progress, uh, and now it's combined effort with um, uh, Bridges Out of Poverty. We're in some of the subcommittees of that. Um, we're not sure exactly what our bigger role in that could be, um, but we probably need to spend some time with the leaders in that effort, um, Trené and Hugh, um, to understand what's a, what's a better place for us to plug in? Is there some place that we could be more effective in that? Because uh, I think, you know, given that that's one of our big focus areas, we focus on health, education, income, and basic human needs. Mm -hmm. So under income, clearly poverty is probably one of the biggest um, issues that we could possibly talk about addressing. And we've got things that we're doing right now that address poverty that are not yet looped into the Poverty to Progress um, initiative. So we've got more uh, to do to, to build lines of communication there. Um, and again, that's another one that we're kind of sitting back and waiting to see where is the best place for us to plug in because it's broken down into eight or nine groups now. Um, and, um, we think we need to, to try to figure out, all right, how do we take these lofty conversations at the eight or nine group level and turn those into actionable plans? And, and that's where I think that effort is now. And, and, uh, we may have a role to help there as well. So shame there's only one Bill Barner. You covered a lot of turf. So you're the only person that was at that. <laughs> well, I'm getting tired of thinking about that. There's a lot of a lot of sub conversations in that. As we close this out, what what um, thoughts would you share with other leaders 
who want to move into a, a partnership or collaborative relationship with their community? What thoughts would you have for them to, to go forward with? Well, I'll take a step back on that question too. One of the things that I realized early on when I got into this role um, and a certain experience in my life from my past made this role very compelling to me and made me want to be in a position to help people. And as I've met executive directors um, in all the organizations that we support and other organizations, they tend to have a story. Um, they have some reason that they're in that type of work. Nobody gets into the not-for-profit work because of the glory or the fame or the riches. Uh, you get into it because you care about it. And that to me makes it an incredibly exciting um, sector to work in. And the people that you work with are invigorated because they genuinely care. When you get caught up in operating an organization, though, you can sort of turn down the light on that part of your, your brain and your heart and get obsessed with which what I have to do today, what I have to do today. My thought is when you go into a collaborative effort, remember what brought you there. What brought you there was that you wanted to help people, not that you wanted to build an organization, but that you wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can keep the light shining on that, the collaboration falls naturally behind. Um, but you got to be willing to, to let some personal interest go um, so that it, the benefit accrues to the community, not necessarily to your organization. Bill Larner, visionary leader for United Way in Central Virginia. Thank you for sharing your Thank wisdom. You for your time today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.